Second, bombers struck at the defenders' road and rail communications, assembly points and munitions dumps, and at civilian centres, causing confusion and panic. Third, dive bombers sought out columns of marching men and bombed them without respite, while at the same time aircraft machine-gunned civilian refugees as they sought to flee from the approaching soldiers, causing chaos on the roads and further impeding the forward movement of the defending forces. Even as the Blitzkrieg came out of the sky, it also came on land. First, in wave after wave of motorised infantry, light tanks and motor-drawn artillery, pushing as far ahead as possible. Then heavy tanks were to drive deep into the countryside, bypassing cities and fortified points. Then, after so much damage had been done and so much territory traversed, the infantry, the foot soldiers of every war but strongly supported by artillery, were to occupy the area already penetrated, to deal with whatever resistance remained, and to link up with the mechanised units of the initial strike. Twenty-four hours after the German attack on Poland, an official Polish government communique reported that 130 Poles, of whom 12 were soldiers, had been killed in air raids on Warsaw, Nia, and several other towns. Two German bombers were shot down, and the four occupants arrested after a miraculous escape, the communique noted, when 41 German aircraft in formation appeared over eastern Warsaw on Friday afternoon. People watched a thrilling aerial battle over the heart of the city. Several houses caught fire, and the hospital for Jewish defective children was bombed and wrecked. On the morning of September the 2nd, German aircraft bombed the railway station at the town of Kolo. At the station stood a train of civilian refugees being evacuated from the border towns of Yarosin and Kratosin. A hundred and eleven of them were killed. Hitler's aim in invading Poland was not only to regain the territories lost in 1918, he also intended to impose German rule on Poland. To this end, he had ordered three SS Death's Head regiments to follow behind the infantry advance and to conduct what were called police and security measures behind the German lines. Theodor Eike, the commander of these three Death's Head regiments, explained what these measures were to his assembled officers at one of their bases, Sachsenhausen concentration camp, on that first day of war. In protecting Hitler's Reich, Eike explained, the SS would have to incarcerate or annihilate every enemy of Nazism, a task that would challenge even the absolute and inflexible severity which the death's head regiments had learned in the concentration camps. These words, so full of foreboding, were soon translated into action. Within a week of the German invasion of Poland, almost 24,000 officers and men of the Death's Head Regiment were ready to embark on their task. On the side of one of the railway carriages taking German soldiers eastward, someone had written in white paint, We are off to Poland to thrash the Jews. Not only Jews, but Poles, were to be the victims of this war behind the war. Two days after Eike had given his instructions to the Death's Head regiments, Heinrich Himmler informed SS General Udo von Reich 
that he was to carry out the radical suppression of the incipient Polish insurrection in the newly occupied parts of Upper Silesia. The word radical was a euphemism, or ruthless. Whole villages were burned to the ground. At Truskolazi, on September the 3rd, 55 Polish peasants were rounded up and shot, a child of two among them. At Rusho, 20 Jews were ordered to assemble in the marketplace, among them Israel Lewy, a man of 64. When his daughter, Libia Lewy, ran up to her father, a German told her to open her mouth for impudence. He then fired a bullet into it. Libia Lewy fell down dead. The 20 Jews were then executed. In the weeks that followed, such atrocities became commonplace, widespread, and on an unprecedented scale. Even while soldiers fought in battle, civilians...